All right, praise the Lord. Good to see you all again. Those of you that I can see. Uh, I'm glad to be back up here today um, to finish up this message. One of the fathers in the faith, uh, Mr. Wright, had said to me last week after the message, he looked at me, he goes, you feel better? I go, yes, sir, I do. <laughs> I got it out of me, so I'm going to feel better after I get done today. But I am so glad that uh, Pastor Karin and Shannon are back. It was really odd and strange. Uh, I'm glad they had a good time, but hey, I'm glad y'all are back. Cause it's just weird not having y'all here. Sitting there, you know, it's just all quiet. You know how it is like a dog when the you know, parents come home and everything, just sitting at the window wagging his tail. I hear cars going up and down the road. I'm like, is that them? No, that's not them. But I'm just glad y'all are back. I'll tell you, we, we have a good working relationship. God is so good the way he does things. Amen? Amen. So you, uh, just let you know, be excited because um, God is a God of increase, and he doesn't do things just haphazardly, if I pronounce that correctly. So they're here for a reason. We are here for a reason. Y'all are here for a reason. We all are here for a reason. Amen. So we're going to finish up what we talked about, uh, what I talked about last week, and that is running your race. You have a race to run, and we're going to cap this off. And, um, and I just thank God for what he's given me for this and, and because of this, and, and not just the word, but life experience along these lines of running your race. So let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the grace that's going to be deposited in us through your word, and we will take that ability and run with it. In Jesus' name, amen. So just as a recap of last week, really quick, we talked about, in reference to running our race, and the importance of having a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father, and uh, He has a purpose for each of us here on this earth. Once you breathe your last breath, then hey, that's it. There's no race to run. There's nothing to resist. There's nothing to fight back. There's nothing to combat with because there's no flesh to keep under. There's no mind to be renewed. So the race we got to run is here on this earth, and we do have that race, and we talked about in marriage, you're one flesh, but uh, with God, our Heavenly Father, we're one spirit. In 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 7, and having knowledge of our Heavenly Father's love will help us to run this race here on this earth, according to John 15, 9. Remember talking about that. And then I shared about, you know, the story about playing football for the Conway Dolphins and running towards my earthly father. And I just was encouraging you that you have a, a heavenly father that's shaking the fence for you. And you do. I'm not just saying that. I shared that particular um, story at my dad's funeral. I, I preached his funeral and um, I shared that story. And as a result, my, one of my long childhood friends, he was born again. I felt in my heart to give an opportunity for salvation, and he gave his life to Christ, and my mother's sister's husband, my uncle, gave his life to Christ, and he's gone on to glory. So just from that experience, I don't think Mr. Barfield is here, Coach Barfield. If you all can put that picture up for me, I have a picture I want to show you. That's 1979. Coach Barfield is that gentleman on the bottom right. Him and I had lunch together this past Friday. He coached that team for 23 years. 23 years he had an impact on kids. And if you all haven't noticed that, I'm that little guy at the very top and to the right with the little miniature afro. <laughs> I had some hair, y'all. It only lasted for a few years and disappeared in the center. And, uh, but anyway, Coach Barfield, he had a major impact on so many kids' lives. My brother is the one that's in the center with his eyes closed. He's a year older than me. He ended up being the number one running back in the state of Florida in 1986. He's a he was uh, recruited all throughout, and uh, he ended up playing football for Clemson. But Coach Barfield is a special gentleman. Um, he's, he, I had talked to him about being here this Sunday, not even to make it him and his lovely wife, but... Uh, it just had a major impact. We would go to games, and, and we were a really good team. And uh, after the games, we would go to his house and swim, and we would stay overnight, and the next morning he would take us to his church. All of the players would get there. So just a great gentleman, and uh, he said that if he don't make it today, he will be coming to visit us uh, here at Lake Haven Church. Um, those, those uh, if you pass the kangaroo gas station at Tony's, Tony's uh, Pizza, those... That, 
housing development that they're building there, he's the general contractor for that. That's how we ran into each other. I was having lunch, and he happened to walk into Tony's. And I was like, coach. <laughs> but anyway, God, you know, and like he said, even then, things don't just happen. It wasn't by mistake that he walked into Tony's Pizza while I was there. And things don't just happen in your life. Don't take things for granted. No matter how small you think your situation is, God has his hand on your life. Okay? He has his hand on your life. Don't go according to the natural circumstances. We talked about not comparing, competing, and complaining. I'm going to touch on that a little bit more today. And lastly, we talked about how Jesus told Peter to follow him. And we gave at least two or three examples about that, how he told Peter to follow him and not Peter looking back at John. And we have that same message, Jesus is telling us, to follow him and not look back at anybody else, compare, compete, and complain about someone else or something, even if they're doing the same thing that you're doing, same thing that I'm doing. He has your race for you to run. So if you would turn to Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, so I'm going to let you know in advance, okay, you already know about the NTTT translation, uh, in advance that we're going to be covering quite a few scriptures, but um, I believe that we're going to be able to get it in uh, in such a way that uh, God will be glorified in this body and this spirit that belongs to him. Amen? Amen. Verse 33 of Mark chapter 9. 33 of Mark chapter 9. Then he, Jesus, came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, Jesus talking to his disciples, what was it that you disputed among yourselves on the road? But the disciples, they kept silent, for on the road they disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. Jesus sat down, he called the twelve, and said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all the servant of all. Then Jesus took a little child and set him in the midst of them. Now, picture this with your mind because this is how I read the Bible and I know this is how some of you do it. He set the child in the midst of them and when Jesus had taken him in his arms, plural, so Jesus set the child in the midst, he put both of his arms around the child and he said to his disciples, whoever receives these little Little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Now Jesus is talking to his disciples with his arms around this little kid, this child. John interrupts him. He interrupts Jesus. How do you know that? I'm glad you asked. Because John answered. While Jesus is talking, John answered, and he does the thing that he was, what Jesus, he does the thing that was Jesus trying to tell him not to do. He starts comparing. Watch this. John answered him saying, teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out devils in your name, and we forbade him because he's not following us. Jesus said, do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side, on our team. So Jesus is still holding the child. John interrupts him and starts comparing himself to somebody else or another group because that group is not a part of their church or not on their team, or maybe they don't speak in tongues yet, or maybe ever. But Jesus says, for he who is not against us is on our side. For whoever gives a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Now, after being interrupted, Jesus picks back up and starts talking to his disciples again about what he was saying before John interrupted. Verse 42, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it will be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea. 
So I say to you, if he said that about the little ones, he means it about you today. He is not going to cause you to stumble. And if anybody else is trying to cause you to stumble, he's on your side. But we have a choice to make. Even if they're trying to cause us to stumble, look at verse 43. He says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life main rather than to have two hands to go to hell into the fire that should never be quenched. In other words, he's saying, don't take part, of, don't take part in it. You have control of yourself. You have your race to run. Don't let them get you off course. Look at verse 45. He said, if your foot causes you, to, uh, causes you to sin, you cut it off. So obviously we know, let me just let you know, he's not talking about physically actually doing these things. I don't want to have to do a hospital visit as I get done speaking. <laughs> verse number 47. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Look at verse 50. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in what? Have your own salt. Have salt in your, notice he said have salt in yourself. Don't have salt in the other disciples. Don't have salt in John, Matthew, Luke. No, have your own salt and he wouldn't tell you to have something that you can't have. You can be a salty dog. As salty as you want to be. Have salt in yourselves. And then after you have salt, have peace with one another. Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. While Jesus is holding the son, holding this child in his arms, I believe he had this child because that child has simple faith. Simple trust. And besides love, what is it that a child can give a parent? that the parent doesn't already have. What is it that you can give God that he doesn't already have? Besides love. So that's how he tells us just to come to him. Simple. Just, just simple faith. For the most part, a child can only receive. And that's what we're supposed to do is receive. Receive who we are in Christ. Receive his love. Receive the dominion that's been given to us as children of God. Receive the authority that we have in Christ Jesus. We have it. Receive it. You know, if any of you that are parents, you know, when you show love to your kids and they push back, that, that bothers. That would bother you as a parent. Just imagine how he is when we don't take part in what He's given us already. He's not mad at us. He doesn't hate us, of course, but he wants us to experience the abundant life on this earth before we go to heaven. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. We're moving right along. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. And we're going to start with uh, verse number 1. Hebrews 2, verse 1. It says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. The King James says, I think it says, lest we let them slip. Give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. In the margin of my Bible, it says, run out as leaking vessels. Oftentimes, we know what to do. We know what the Lord has put in our heart, and we start on that path. We start running that race. And sometimes distraction comes, and, and as the Word of God says, and the cares, and, and all these different things start to come, and then we forget about what the Word says and what He's given us to do. No matter how small the task is, if He's given you a race to run, He's put a will and a desire, which you have, in everybody's heart. As we start running, lest we let them slip and forget Oh, okay, this is what he told me to do, and this is the word of God that confirms that he told me to do this. We have to give the more earnest heed, lest we let them slip. So sometimes, as we're running our race, 
We have to readjust, refocus, realign ourselves, reposition ourselves to continue running the race that he's put before us. In, in Hebrews chapter 2, in the, the, um, the Passion Translation, it says, this is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truths that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. And as we've already read, if we're not mindful, if we don't drift off course, we could allow someone else to cause us to drift off course. So we have to stay focused with the job at hand that we have. Amen? In sports, there's something what they call a second win. You've heard of that? In natural sports, it, it can be in the single sports, whether it's a track and field or, or, or swimming or football or soccer or whatever the case may be. The announcers like, man, he or she got their second win. The definition or one of the definitions of second, second win is a phenomenon in sports whereby an athlete who is out of breath and too tired to continue suddenly finds the strength to press on at the top performance with less exertion. I know I'm not by myself. When I say to you, there's been times when I felt like, you know what? I can't go on. This is too much. This is too hard. And you get that on the inside that only the Lord can give via the Holy Spirit. And you know that it's not your ability, it's his ability in you. But we have to yield to that. We have to yield to that. And it's available. There's always room. There's always a way of escape. But we're at our best, believe it or not, when we're not depending on our ability. When we, when we you know, uh, when an athlete gets to this point here, he or she are at their best. Why? Because they're operating more on the inside. It's sheer on determination on the inside. And it's not so much physical skill at that time. In a spiritual way, that's when you're depending on him the most. Your, your intellect is not kicking in as much. Your physical strength may not be there as much. But your trust is in him. Amen. The athlete is at his or her best. It is more of an internal drive not to quit. James chapter 1. Go to James chapter 1. I told my son... That's my son, one of my sons on the camera. I'll go, boy, if I take off running, you better keep up with me. I may take off running. He said, I'm going to keep up with you, Dad. I said, all right. James chapter 1. I'm reading from the King James Version. James chapter 1. Let's start with verse 2. It says, my brother and my sisters, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. It says, count it all joy when you fall or you are enveloped or encounter trials of any sort into diverse temptations or various temptations to quit or to throw in the towel and to say, I'm done with this. He said, count it all joy. Why, James? Knowing this, that the trying or proving of your faith work is patience. But let, you got to let it. If you don't let it, it's not going to happen. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, fully developed, no defect, lacking nothing. But you got to let it. I don't, I don't stand up here and cry because I'm going to try to impress you all. I cry at home. When I get into this word, and it encourages me. I don't care if I'm sitting at the, most of the time I'm sitting at the kitchen table studying. Because especially when my other son was home with a family of five, we don't have nowhere to go. <laughs> my queen is in the bedroom, you know, got to get a queen time. 
I told someone, I said, I call my wife the queen. So you know what that makes me? They say the servant. I go, no, I ain't no servant. I'm a king. I'm a servant sometimes, though. But you know, have nowhere to go. Go on the porch or whatever. And, and the word of God gets good, especially in those difficult times. Yes. You put yourself in that position and just start crying. I keep tissue in my car, keep tissue in, on the table. So I just get up and go in the bathroom and turn the vent on. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I start getting relief, but it's not the type of relief they think. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm getting a different type of relief. Yeah. <laughs> and I come out feeling light as a, a feather. <laughs> Amen. Where was I? <laughs> Verse 4. Verse 4. Patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, fully developed, with no defects, lacking nothing. In the Message Bible, it says, Consider it sheer gift. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith lies if is forced into the open and shows its true color. Yes, yes, yes. That's why we have to get into this word. Yes. Get into this word and know the word for yourself. Because when the pressure comes on and it squeezes you, the word's going to come out. That faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So instead of cussing, you start praising. And even if you do cuss, just get back on track. Amen. I've been there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. See, when the pressure gets on, we think, get it. I can't do it. And we come out of it. And we think, we think that it's not the will of God now. Because the pressure's on. Or they don't like me. Or they're talking about me. Or they're doing this. And they're kicking back. Or they're pushing back. Or my body's not acting right. My finances are not acting right. Forget it. I know I, I, I said that God told me to do this. I believe this is what he wants me to do. But it's not operating or happening naturally the way I thought. So I'm getting out. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work. So you become mature and well-developed. Not deficient in any way. Man, that's a sweet spot. That's a sweet spot. You may not be able to put it at rest, that peace, that home in his love, as we talked about at first. So I was asked God, you know, during those difficult times, before I knew better, I was like, Lord, give me faith. Lord, give me faith. Lord, this is hard. Give me faith. Not knowing that I already had it. I was asking for something that I already have. You already have faith. Amen. So I would go in circles. Lord, give me faith. Lord, give me faith. Like a, like a three-legged dog chasing his tail to the right. Lord, give me faith. Give me faith. Lord, faith. I'm going to catch you. I'm going to catch you. I'm going to get you. Ah, da, 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 da. No. <laughs> the word of God plainly says that. I think it's in Romans chapter 4, verse 20. Abraham staggered not at the premises of God, but was strong in faith. He said he staggered not at the premises of God in unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Can you say glory to God? You're strong in faith, especially if you're going through something tough. If you can give him glory right in the midst of it, even if things don't change. You're strong in faith. But we think that we don't have faith because things are not changing or it doesn't feel good. But I'm telling you, I know I'm not speaking by myself. That there's time you're, you're driving down the road heading to work, especially when I was a law enforcement officer, you know, and you, the pressures of life and different things are going on, and you just choose to just say, Lord, I praise you. I, I glorify you. I don't understand it. But I know that you have my best interest at heart. And all of a sudden, the circumstances don't change, but a release comes on the inside, and I just doggone start feeling good. 
But it doesn't happen. It doesn't just happen. So Abraham staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. And another reason he didn't stagger because he didn't chase his tail like a three-legged dog to the right. He was dizzy. So stop asking God for faith. Stop asking him for something that you already have if you're doing that. As soon as you're born again, you have it. He gave you faith to receive him. You think going to take it away? But until we, and unless we, get this into us and renew our minds, the confidence, the boldness to act on the faith that we already have, it's going to be difficult. So instead of running to him, we run away from him because we don't think that this is working. And it, and it does work. This is alive. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Look at verse 20. Acts 19 verse 20. So stay with me. Don't allow your mind to wonder. Verse 20 says, So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in spirit. I'm reading from the New King James Version. He purposed in spirit. That S there is capitalized, which is incorrect, and I'll prove it to you. I'll show you. He didn't purpose in the Holy Spirit. He purposed in his spirit. Paul purposed in spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must see Rome. So Paul purposed, he determined in his spirit that he was going to go. He didn't base it on some other disciple. He determined in his spirit that he's going to Jerusalem. And not only going, after he gets done, he's going to Rome. Paul knew he was going to go through persecution. Look at verse 22. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him. Timothy and Erastus, I think that's Paul, but he himself stayed in Asia. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Look at 21, Acts chapter 20. Look at Acts chapter 20. In verse 16. Acts 20, verse 16. For Paul had decided to sail to Ephesus. So that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. From Malta's he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept nothing, kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen up. Verse 22. And see, Paul says, now... I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await you. Notice he said that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city that chains and tribulation await you. The Holy Spirit didn't tell him not to go. He just said, hey, Paul, this is what's going to be taking place in Jerusalem. I'm going to prove it to you that he didn't say not to go. I'm trying to let you know, and, and this is something I, I learned myself. I'm still learning. That just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's not God. Just because it's challenging doesn't mean it's not God. It doesn't mean that he took back what he told you to do or he wants you to do. Wherever you're at, wherever you believe he has you. So that's verse 23. Now, stay with me. I want to pause. Let's pause. Say pause. Pause. Let's pause at 23. 
I want to bring something out. Look at chapter 21. I'm going to come back. I will come back to Acts 20, 23. Look at chapter 21 and verse 4. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. They, the disciples, told Paul through the Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. So they told Paul. So they heard right. They heard right from the Holy Spirit. And after they heard, their emotions kicked in. And they said, Paul, don't go. People can love you out of the will of God. Verse 10. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had came to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, thus says the Holy Spirit. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind him who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. He only confirmed what Paul already told them in, verse, in, in chapter 20. That's all he did. Look at verse 12. Now when we heard these things, we and those from, the place that, uh, from that place pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? I am, not, I am ready not only to be bound, but to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. For, listen, so when he would not be persuaded out of what God told him to do, now this is what they say. We see saying, and the will of the Lord be done. You could have said that at the beginning. But I can understand. People love you. They don't want nothing to happen to you. And the Holy Spirit will reveal to people things, possibly, sometimes, but oftentimes he'll give it to you first. They just confirm what he already knew. And that's what prophecy should do, oftentimes. Let's continue along. Look at chapter 23. Chapter 23, verse 11. Now, but the, but the following night, the Lord, say the Lord. The Lord stood by Paul and said, be of good cheer. He's still in Jerusalem, y'all. And the Lord appeared to him while he's in Jerusalem, who the people told him not to go, his own people. And Jesus said, be of good cheer, Paul. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so must you also bear witness at Rome. Paul told them that. Matthew chapter 26. I haven't forgot about Acts 20 and 22. Matthew 26. Look at verse 38. Matthew 26, verse 38. Then he said to them, this is Jesus. Jesus said to them, his disciples, my soul. What is another name for the word soul? Mind. Remember this. Jesus said, my soul, my mind is exceedingly sorrowful. His mind was in torment. He's in the garden. Jesus said, my mind is in torment. Stay here and watch with me. Why was his mind in torment? One of the reasons was because he, was, well, he knew what he was about to go through. And the part of the torment was he didn't have to. His will kicked in. He willed to be a sacrifice. A lot went on in the garden. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Not as I will, but I choose to run the race that you told me to run, that you chose for me to run. Verse 40. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, 
What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter the temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, a second time, he went away and prayed, Oh, Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. I'm reading this to encourage you that if you're in a tough spot now and you believe that, that you're, you're in the will of God, God told you to do this, even just living here on this earth, you're going to have tests, you're going to have trials. You're going to have challenges. But it is the will of God that you go through and run your race. Run your race. Look at verse 53. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to the Father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus said this because Peter cut off the high priest's ear. Right? And he told him to put the sword up. So he was saying that, listen, I can get out of this if I want to, and you don't have to deliver me. He can deliver me, but I will to run this race. I choose to. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. We're still keeping Acts chapter 20 on the back burner. And there's a reason for that. Hebrews chapter 5. Look at verse who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear though he was a son yet he learned obedience remember we just read that by the things which he suffered and having been perfected he became the author of the author of eternal salvation to, who, to, to all who believe. He became the author. Jesus did. And there's a reason for that. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 12. Verse number 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. My mom said to me just not long before she passed, she goes, buddy, she called me buddy. She goes, buddy, when you going to preach? She didn't live to see me preach, but I know she's in the grandstand of heaven cheering me on, saying, preach the word. Run your race. Do what God has called you to do. And just like me, you have loved ones that's in the grandstand saying, run. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Mama's there. Dad's there. Your son may be there. Your daughter may be there. Your husband may be there. Your wife may be there. Telling you to run. Don't quit. Live this life in abundance. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Notice it didn't say the writer and finisher. There's a difference between a writer. A writer just expresses his or her expressions in words. But I looked up the word author, and one of the definitions, it comes from a Latin word, I think it's octorum, and it means leader, master founder leader master founder looking unto Jesus who is the author the leader the master the founder of your faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him not that you don't consider what you're going through or what you've been through, but consider him over it. Consider what he's already done. Like I say, not to minimize, man, people go through stuff. You go through stuff. Things happen here on this earth. You hurt, pain, all kinds of things. But we don't put that 
above him. You don't magnify that above him. We consider him over that who endured such hostility from sinners against themselves, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Oh, what was that that we talked about when we just read that Jesus said in the garden that he was in mental torment? He took mental torment so you don't have to accept it. He said, lest you become weary and discouraged, the King James says, faint in your mind. That's where it's going to take place, but you don't have to accept it. You have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. One of the meanings of that is Jesus in the garden, I think Luke brings it out, that he resisted so much that he dropped blood from his pores to the ground. Once again, not saying that what you've been through or what you've gone through or what you may go through is not big. But consider him. Have you resisted unto blood concerning that? That you're bleeding blood and dropping blood to the ground? You can run this race because he's the author and finisher of your faith. You can't lose with the Jesus you use. It's impossible. It's impossible. Now, let's go back to Acts 20. Remember I told you I didn't forget about it. Acts 20, I think I said 23, but let's pick up with verse 22. Acts 20, verse 22. Mm -mm -mm. And see, now I go. Paul says, I go. I choose to go. Bound in spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Verse 24 is my verse for my life, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. Now, how did Paul know that? Because he remembered what happened to Jesus. When Jesus was in the garden, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, he saw you, he saw me, he saw all of us finishing our race. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Paul says, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I have received from my Lord Jesus Christ. To testify the gospel of the grace of God. Yes. To testify the gospel of his grace in me. Yes. His ability in me to run yes. and not give up. Yes. Second Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4. I'll finish. God is so good. He is so, so good. And this life is worth living. I used to not feel that way. And you know I gave my part of my testimony. But life is good. Doesn't, matter, doesn't mean I have challenging days. But he's good. And I no longer want to kill myself live a victorious long life glorifying him on my body my spirit that belongs to him and so the same thing with you 2nd Timothy chapter 4 look at verse 5 but you be watchful in all things Paul is talking to Timothy endure afflictions do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry yours just, just do what you're supposed to do, right. Timothy. Just like Jesus told Peter, you follow me. Paul told Timothy, I mean, Jesus told Peter, yeah. Paul told Timothy, fulfill your ministry. For I'm ready. Oh, wait a minute. Is this the same Paul that was talking in, in, in Acts chapter 20? Yeah. 
Paul said, for I am ready, already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. What's the good fight? The fight that you go in and you already know you're going to win it. That's a good fight. So when the devil comes against you, you say, hey, you, you might as well put your gloves down. I've already won. Jesus has won the fight for me. So fight the good fight of faith. I have finished my what? He said in Acts 20 that he's going to finish the race for the joy that was set before him. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, would give to me on that day. And Paul includes us. And not to me only, but also to all who love his appearing. So you got a crown too. Amen, sister. Praise the Lord. Look at the message Bible as we close. <laughs> Jesus. The message Bible, it says, take over, Timothy. I'm about to die. My life and offering got on, on God's altar. This is the only race worth running. Hallelujah, running for Jesus. I've run hard right to the finish. Believed all the way. All that's left now is a shouting. Hallelujah. That's all that's left is a shouting. God's applause. He's applauding you. He's saying keep on running to the finish line. I remember running track years ago. And you know those distant races like the mile, the two mile. Or maybe you watch on TV or maybe you've ran like a marathon. And those races like that. And you get the people, you know, they're coming in and everybody else is finished. They put on their sweatpants, go into the concession stand, and you got this one person running. You can see it all over their face. They're the only one on the track. They've been lapped. And you hear the announcer say, give them a hand. Applaud. Why? Not because they came in last. But they're finishing and they ran the race hallelujah and not only that you got that loving mom or dad that's in the stands saying go baby go they're cheering like they're in first place run honey run father's applauding you telling you to run they're cheering them on like they're in first place guess what they ran their race they ran their race. They may not have came in first place. Forget that. Stop comparing yourself. Just run your race as he's applauding you. And those ones, those loved ones that's going on before you, your family members, they're applauding you. They're aware of things that we do down here on this earth. Not everything, but some things. They're aware when we make that decision to run. All that's left now is the shouting, God's applause. Depend on it. He's an honest judge. He'll do right, not only by me, oh, but he's talking, but by everyone eager for his coming, by everyone that's eager to continue to run this race. If you're breathing, whether you're here now or you're watching me, if you are breathing, praise the Lord. Guess what? No matter if you stepped off the track, you can get back on, pick back up, and continue running. According to the natural, they say that there's a second win. Oh, he or she got their second win. God gives second, thirds, fourth, fifth, sixth. He'll give you as much win as you need to finish your race. So I want to encourage you this morning. That despite what, how you grew up, what they said to you, even what mama or daddy may have said to you, or someone that hurt you, or physically, or financially, you have a race. God is aware. He's a, he knows your past. He knows your future. 
you have a race. Stay in your lane and run your race. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So as I close, I want to encourage you to do what you know to do. The word of God plainly states, he or she that knoweth to do right and doeth it not, to him or her it is sin. If you know in your heart, I need to do thus and so, do it. God is not condemning you, but that tug is not going to leave. So as you stand, would you? You say, well, T, maybe I understand this running the race stuff, but I don't know God. That's the beginning. Make him your Lord, make him your Savior. Allow yourself to experience what Jesus already took. That's your mental torment. That's your spiritual death. He took it so you don't have to take it. So those that are born again as you're praying to yourself quietly, I'm concerned about souls. If you would repeat after me, you want to make Jesus your Lord, re repeat after me. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I denounce, I reject Satan from this day forward. I receive you into my heart as my Lord. And you said, if I confess you as Lord, you will not cast me out. Thank you for not casting me out. Hallelujah. It's just that simple. Childlike faith. If you said that and meant it in your heart, you probably already noticed a change. And if you died right now, you're going to heaven. And you won.